So, can I ask you a question? Mm. Are you a cereal eater? Do you eat cereals in the morning? Uh, occasional Weetabix. Yeah. Now you see, me too. So, I don't, I don't buy cereals because I don't really eat cereals. Mm. But every now and then, I have a craving for crunchy nut cornflakes. Oh. Yeah. But I don't ever buy them because what would happen is I would buy a big pack or the smallest mm. pack you can, but it's still quite big. And then then they just go off. Mm. So this came into my life. Yeah, the little, the little, oh. the little packets like you get at the hotel. The variety pack. <laughs> no, it's not a variety pack. You can actually buy small packets. Or crunchy nut oh, cornflakes, right. little individual sized ones from a website that I discovered. And of course, now I want crunchy nut cornflakes every day because I think perhaps what I like is the little box. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway, you... they're in my office and I just thought I'd share that with you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love that you're excited about this. Oh, couldn't be more excited. <laughs> crunchy nut okay. cornflakes in their own little box. Come on. Welcome everybody to episode 177 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, this week sponsored by Kellogg's Crunchy Nut Cornflakes, exactly. apparently. <laughs> uh, Except it isn't, is it? Wouldn't it be great if it was, though? Anyway. Well, it would, but only if it was sponsored by the Little Box version, obviously. <laughs> because, uh, it does remind you of holidays, doesn't it? I always used to think going on holiday was, or, you know, having people to stay or something, my parents would would go out and buy one of these packs. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was a kind of special occasion. Whereas really all it was was standard stuff <laughs> yeah. in a small box. Yeah, I know. It's the little, you got to take joy in the little things in yeah, life. Yeah. Indeed. Well, literally here. So that's good. Um, anyway, have we, have we got any um, church notices? Um, only that booking is open for Lee Abbey next year, oh, yeah. June okay. the 6th to the 10th, did we say? Or the corresponding week, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, something around something that. around then. And it'd be lovely to see people there in a very yeah, beautiful indeed. part of the country. Yeah. yeah so oh. go and uh, check out um, the Lee Abbey website. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I really need to put it up on the website as well. Yeah. Well, it well, is sort of on the website because it'll be attached to each episode, but that's complicated. I don't know. I need to do. I'll do something. Thank you. I need you. to update the website. It's about time you did, to be honest. It so is. Thank you. It is surely. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Um, and I don't think there's any other church notices, are there? No, I don't think so. How did you? You've had your enneagram day, haven't you? No, that's coming up on the twentieth. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's coming up on the twentieth. So I'll, I'll oh, feedback right, okay. from that. Uh, but I tell you what, I forgot to tell you. I went to the <clears throat> Museum of the Moon. I told you I was going, but I never told you I went. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, there it was in the cathedral with this lovely ambient music and mm. poems about the moon and and a big <laughs> socking great moon. <laughs> Now, here's my reflection on this, Nick. No, because this is... Why are you laughing at me? Because it's the, the disconcerting. two phrases, you know, you and the phrase Museum of the Moon just... <laughs> it just brings to mind unhelpful images. Right, well, I yeah, I know. I didn't do any, you know... 
of my <laughs> infamous liturgy. <laughs> you'll be glad to know. Anyway, look, stop. Because you're being very irreverent. Mm. No, here's my thing about that. And and this really goes back to your love of buildings. Mm. And Your Honour, I would like to submit this. So you've got this sucking great cathedral. Mm-hmm. How do you make it interesting and appealing? You bring in an installation of the moon. Mm. And then people go, wow, that's great. And I put it to you, Your Honour. That actually the best thing about cathedrals and churches is when they have like harvest festivals and flower festivals and they actually bring nature indoors. Why don't you just cut out the middleman? That. I rest okay. my case and thank you. Right. Thank you. Well, let me just uh, raise a couple of things. There. I don't disagree with some of that, obviously. Good. Uh, I would like to point out that they didn't actually bring the moon in. No, It they... was a large model, wasn't it? Well, it was a scale model. Yeah, but you're t- you're talking as though you know bringing nature does the whole the whole thing in. Uh, well, equally. no. Okay, so they okay. I th- admittedly they couldn't fit the entire moon in, so they got a replica of it. Great. They don't bring a whole field of flowers in either. They just bring a handful of flowers. My point is, people go for the nature, not for the sandstone. No, the point is every week and throughout the country people going to cathedrals and churches because they love those things every week i don't no i go when they do something interesting like bring a bit of nature inside yeah so basically your whole argument is you know just based on you isn't it there's nothing else it's just based on i like to go when this is there (laughs) i mean all these things bring new people in so i know i've got a friend of mine is a bishop okay a friend of mine is a bishop because that's the kind of circles Mm. yeah well you are you are a very important person. And he was saying how they love to hold uh, art exhibitions and things in the cathedrals because it does bring in new yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. brings in a different people. That's fine, but it doesn't mean you stop the rest of it or that the rest of it isn't bringing in people. Well, it's, look. It's just different strokes for different folks, that? isn't it? Whatever. I put it to you, not that many people as a percentage of the country go into I, cathedrals. I actually think I, you'll find that I don't want to talk to you anymore. Is, has been growing for years, so... Can I talk about our Siberian friends? <laughs> what? Who? <laughs> the Listeners? Brent, no, the Brent geese that are coming in. I'm seeing them flying along oh, Worthing them. Beach now. They're coming in, spending the winter here before they head back to Siberia. Lovely. That Good. pleases me. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention okay. it. Yeah, but they're not going to the cathedral, though, are they? No, of course they're not. No, why? Because they're in the best cathedral. Outside! Anyway. <laughs> With you doing your own special <laughs> Festival of the Moon. I, know. I will show them a Festival of the Moon, all right? <laughs> you will. Right. Anyway, enough. They'll never migrate again. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And, and one more thing. Um, mm. Thank you to many people who wrote in talking about the foreign travel thing. You know, we mentioned last week about the calm footprint. Your personal the, dilemma. My personal dilemma. Many thank you uh, to the people who wrote in. Uh, wrote in with some fascinating thoughts as well and some obvious, I mean, like one carbon offsetting. And so mm. Someone sent in an article. I'd never seen this article. For, um, about 100 companies are responsible for 71% of the carbon footprint from air travel. Doesn't, that needs fact-checking, doesn't it? But incredible. I read the article. Amazing. Um, anyway, so just to say... I think we came to a place where we thought, well, we are going to stop it, but we probably do need to go 
see him one more time. So our plan is to go, but then I saw the prices. It's become not a redundant question, but they've gone up. Blooming heck. The price of a flight to Mexico. Ridiculous. Anyway, so uh, that's where we're at. We are mindful to go, and it might be uh, this coming year. It might be another time. Oh, but, but it will be, certainly our intention is it will be one of the last, if not the last time. Um, we go out that way. So thank you. But genuinely, really concerned and really helpful um, replies from people. And I'm so grateful for that. How are you, dear boy? Well, I, I'm I'm feeling quite busy, actually. I'm quite yeah. quite um, over, beginning to get a bit over busy and overwhelmed and forgetting things and missing things. Oh, and I so I've that. done what I always do at these points, which I, is I've bought a new... Uh, time management app. Oh no! <laughs> because I always think that's going to solve everything. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it is. You're going to become a and, master of it. And of course, what happens with that is, you know, you end up spending a lot of time working out how to use this and <laughs> watching YouTube videos about experts in it, uh, and then you've got more stuff to do because you haven't done it because you've been. Sorting out your new productivity uh, <laughs> schedule stuff. So, so that's that's going to go the way of all things. Still, it, it passes the time. It is horrible though when you when you do get to that point of feeling overwhelmed and yeah. Yeah, I've learnt I've learnt sort of to recognise the signs in myself. I think and mm. to kind of be aware of that. But, the, but you get that point where I don't know if you have this where you think you feel for a lot of the time you feel like you're for, you've forgotten something. Yes. Even though you haven't, but it feels that way because there's just so much else going on, you know. And so you sort of take refuge in all the systems. But actually, the real issue is probably, you know, there's you haven't been organised enough running up to this or you haven't haven't done the work or whatever. Or there's too much work on. That's the problem thing. So, you know, you have to look at other things. Yeah. um, Uh, Well, I'm sorry about that. Keep an eye on that. Don't overdo it. No, 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 it's not too bad. And then I went out on Saturday, I think it was, to the Oxford Literary Festival and heard an author called Charles Foster. Oh, yeah. Who's written a book called Being... Well, his new book's called Being a Human, but he wrote a book before this called Being a Beast, in which he was trying to work out, you know, how beasts think and how different animals think, and did it by by dint of actually living like them. So he (laughs) built a badger set and lived in it. (laughs) And... And and As you do. swimming swimming like an otter and things like that and and in the new one being a human he's he's spent time sort of starving himself in a Derbyshire wood trying to imagine what it was like as a Paleolithic man. I see. Really. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, good. What, Very you know. interesting stuff. But, <laughs> but slightly bonkers, really. <laughs> Ah, well, if you get your kicks with that stuff, why not? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very good. Okay, well, look, can we get on? Uh, yes. So indeed. first of all, from Stu, who says, uh, uh, Dear Joe and Nick, please keep doing what you're doing. So grateful. You're a lovely man, Stu. Thank you. He says, Cognitive uh, dissonance. Did I say cognitive. that right? Cognitive. Is that, is it co- Did I say cognitive. that right? Oh, cognitive you, you actually dissonance. say, you actually yes. pronounce the G. As in cognition, yes. I was thinking like cognac. Cognac based dissonance is very different <laughs> okay That's all right drunk so it's not it? cognitive it's co- cognitive okay cognitive right. don't edit this out because i want people to know 
how ignorant I am. No. Okay, listen. Cognitive dissonance is real. I've been feeling it for a long time. While initially it feels liberating to internally verbalise what you actually think, I'm starting to see that it is also not a good place to be. It's a contradiction. As Bono of you 2 said, and I must be an acrobat to talk like this and act like that. So every Sunday morning is a big effort to be something I'm not and believe something I don't. Now, I thought I could manage this and it was okay, but now I don't because I realise it creates an inner tension that spills into other areas of life. So I've decided to walk away for now for the sake of my family, which is ironic, really, as I've been brought up to believe that we must go to church every Sunday for the sake of our family. Mm. Right now, I don't want any cognitive cognitive dissonance and I don't really want to be with anyone practicing these acrobatics as I think it grows a passive aggressive spirit that isn't good for anyone it's contagious maybe in Brian McLaren terms it's underlying his conviction that stage three is not a place to stay for long stage four is the place so maybe on your pod please be careful please share the harmony not the passive aggressive tendencies lead us into stage four and there you go from Stu So I think he is articulating there um, very well just how painful Mm. it can get, Mm. you know, when you're really going deep into the perplexity, to use the Mm. Brian McLaren language, um, and you're really wrestling with it, and then everyone around you is seemingly believing something that you just don't anymore. Well, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's always going to be some levels of cognitive dissonance i'd have thought if you're mm. if you're in, in any way reflective but even, even mm. often about yourself yeah you know in other words mm. paul that classic roman 715 yeah. you know says yeah. you know i don't i do what i want to do i don't yeah, do exactly what yeah. i do you know i yeah. can't there's a there's an internal sort of conflict yeah. going on so there's always going to be something i think that you're questioning or th- the question is how much and how intolerable that gets and what attitude that almost forces you into in a way um, yeah because it's no good going to church and from the minute you get there um just feeling sort of angry upset alienated yeah disbelieving I, mean, I think there are seasons of the soul aren't there and i think if you are in one of those ones where you just can't make sense of it and it is making you angry and you are i mean you know we get a lot of shoulds don't we most of us growing up in the church Mm. you should do this you should do that you should praise god you should feel happy about this and all the rest of it i think that not attending church is 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 quite an important phase to pass through for a little while not least so you can come back with fresh eyes Mm. if indeed you do that so Mm. i remember i remember when our dear friend um roy uh i went to him and i was i was in the sort of state that i think Stu was Mm. and he said joe just go for a walk just go yeah. for a walk on a Sunday morning. And, and you know, it's, it's a strange thing. I sort, sort of, I felt I needed permission. I mean, mm. I didn't really. I could have given myself mm. that permission, but somehow hearing it from another chap who I really trusted and I perceived as someone who was a bit more mature in the faith and had gone along, for him to give me permission to not go to church was the mm. greatest thing. And I went back, you know, after mm. a couple of months. Um, but it, that that was quite an important stage for me um i think um yeah i've had this conversation with quite a lot of people i, I think the other way is just to have sort of mixed diet so mm. you don't actually have to be either or you don't have to sort of cut off completely mm. but you could mix it up a bit so some mornings yeah don't go or some some sundays if you don't feel up to it go or or try a different church 
Mm. You know, it, 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 I think it's good to have a base community that you're part of to which you're yeah. connected. But on the other hand, you know, like all relationships, you sometimes need a bit of space. Yeah, exactly. Um, and attending yeah. resentfully doesn't do you any good. That's my point there. Oh, that's um, a great phrase. Yeah, attending resentfully. Yeah, it's just not good. That, no, it's that's true. It's not good in any walk of life, no. is it? Really? No, not really. It's it's, it's going to do your head in, and and your heart in. And I think I think actually, you know, I certainly know now. I could go to a church, um, and it wouldn't be a problem. You know, like I'd have mm. a little word with myself <laughs> beforehand, and I'd say, yeah, you know, yeah. Joe, you know, this stuff's going to happen. You don't need to get worked up by it. You know, you're going yes, for this yes. reason or you're going yes. for this sake, you know, or whatever. And and it would be fine. But certainly there was a time where it just it would have just annoyed me. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it feels like all of us need to work out, you know, how we do church in a sense, in a positive yeah, way, so. what that means for us. Mm. Um, and, and, and that might be going for a walk. It might mean... As you do, walking on the beach and scaring the Brent geese with your particular <laughs> liturgy, uh, you know it might be all kinds of things. It, I, I don't know. I think the other thing is what you were saying there. It's about also about what identify what really what really matters. What is important mm. enough to get resentful mm. about or angry in it? And mm. often when you're if you've got a really core big issue mm. that is causing you problems, then all the other big the other little yeah. issues will crowd in as well, exactly. and they'll just. Yeah. They'll attach themselves like limpets. To yes, the big, that's so true. Yeah, the big issue that that's doing it. But but really, you could push some of those aside, and you could say, "What's the core yeah. of this here? What am I really struggling with?" Yeah, really. And I, I, I do I do think it's worth saying what church is brilliant at as well in defence. Yeah. And I think because I was speaking to some dear friends who listened to the podcast this week. Hello to you both, and uh, they. They recently moved. They mm. they up to move, but they were right in their kind of um, mid faith crisis, sort of as they were leaving. And so, what do we do when we move areas? We we go to a church. We find a ready made community to join in with. Mm. We instantly start making friends. We instantly start making contacts. We work out who we're going to like and not like so much. And you know, it's it's just a wonderful way of immediately getting into a community but mm. but they've they've been trying to find a church but going through this kind of real perplexity and of course they're just thinking i can't sit here and face this i can't do yeah, this yeah. And so it's really difficult because you know the church is so fabulous at providing yeah, instant yeah. community for people that is and you just have to accept that is a real strength of it it's a problem isn't it i mean mm. i think it's not just a question of walking away either it's where are you walking mm. to you know as well yeah. that's the other thing yeah to, yeah. Re to replace Agreed. it with something more positive that nourishes your soul but it's still i think a sense of connection with god is really important so yeah. i mean all right there's going to be times and days when frankly you don't want to go and all you want to do is an absence that's all you need maybe your headspace is mm. in such a, a state that you just need nothing and in which case yeah. i think the blessed you know, spiritual discipline of sleep or whatever yeah. might be exactly what you require. Yeah. But I think with other times, if that's a prolonged space, well, what form of worship or of community are you going to engage with and how possible is it for you to find that? Yeah. Um, you know, so that it, I think that, yeah, for me, that it feels like we need to always to encourage yeah. one another to a, to a positive sort of d direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but it is hard. 
Yeah, it is hard. And, and we've talked about this before, haven't we? The whole should I stay or should I go and yeah. you know, all, mm. all the rest of it. But I think that what's really helped me through that is that, you know, I know I definitely want to follow in the Jesus way. You know, I'm, I'm as convinced of that as mm. ever I have been. I found the teachings of Renovare around the kingdom of God, you know, quite life changing. And I thought, yeah, no, I this is definitely the kind of life I want to embrace. And so rather than focusing on how steamed up I was about church, I was far more focused on connection with the divine, becoming the kind of person I truly want to be with God. And and that leads you in a slightly different way. You know, it shifts the focus onto well, what's mm. going to best support me to do that. Is it a large church community? Is it a small church community? Is it a, a, a small community like Soul Place or Friends? But, you know, what's the vehicle for the next stage of the journey that's that's really going to support me in that goal mm. so yeah but it's tough shall i move on i think so I think okay so. But right. our thoughts are with you Stu. yeah they really are um okay so andrew from oz um all right yeah okay uh, and uh, he says, well, he wrote a, a, a lovely email. It's, yeah, so I've, I've cut it down a bit. He wishes he could join us for Lee Abbey, but it is far away, uh, which is true enough if you're in Australia. It's quite far away if you're here. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. It's a long way. Uh, but he says, following the Matt Hyman interview, of late, I've come to realise that there are Christians who believe that living out a gay lifestyle with all the trimmings is not at odds with scripture, not because they have set scripture aside, but because they believe it doesn't say what we have traditionally thought it does. And then he does talk about the Steve Chalk interview as well. He says, obviously hearing one guy talking for a few minutes in a podcast hardly constitutes a compelling doctrinal basis on which to overturn an understanding of scripture, which has been the standless for countless very learned translators over very many years, all of whom know infinitely more than I ever will about the nuances of representing the original languages and meanings in English. Chalky alone does not carry enough weight for that, but in listening to Matt today, it became clear that there is a body of thinkers who take this dissenting view. And he said, this raises two questions for me, on which I hope you might be able to guide me towards finding some satisfying answers. First, where can I find a reasonable, balanced and sound readings that explore same-sex issues and give a scripturally-based justification for a different view from the traditional one and is accessible to non-Bible scholars? And then second, and you probably uh, don't have answers for this one, what bongoing hope do any of us have <laughs> yeah, I like that, of reading and understanding this very badly behaved Bible if the very words I read should be interpreted to mean the exact opposite of what they appear to say? If diligent, intelligent, well-read scholars can't correctly understand and translate the source text, how in hell does an average Joe like me do better than that? I mean, what the bongos? Really? Gah! Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. When I let myself go down this rabbit hole, it's hard not to feel that the whole thing is a pointless waste of time and maybe Hitchens is right. Yours in perpetual perplexity, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. I feel your pain, Andrew, yeah. can I say as well. I really do. Um, Should we do the book first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, how about that? Okay. Uh, I've got a book I want to recommend. I'm holding it up to Nick, which is no help to any of you. Um, but this book is is accessible. It's scholarly. 
I think it's a great book if this is an issue you want to look at. And it's by a chap called David P. Gushy. That is quite a surname, G-U-S-H-E. <laughs> and it's called Changing Our Minds. And um, so Changing Our Minds by David P. Gushy. And I think um, I think that is a probably one of the better books that are out there on this okay. particular issue. But there are some good books out there. Well, I've, I've, yeah. the only one I've... Uh... Not the only one I've read, but the one I'd yeah. recommend is the one called the the Bible, the Church, and Homosexuality. By mm. it's edited by Nicholas Coulton. It's um, a collection of essays. Um, it's not a balanced view in the sense it doesn't give both sides. It's very much sort of arguing from the acceptance kind of point of view. But I yeah. think it's very good, particularly on particularly on the second point that he talks about, which is you know scripture yeah. and how do we how do we look at that? There's a good um, essay in there or chapter in there by. Um, I can't remember who it's by, but it's on, on um, basically, you know, Christian mm. biblical interpretation. Um, and right. I think that is a genuinely good question. You know, like, yeah. are we just sort of um, completely rewriting it by interpreting it differently? Um, yeah. I, I've got a few little points to make, if I'm yeah, mad. Well, please I do. Mean, one, one, is, one is, I think, that we have been misled to a certain extent in terms of how we read the Bible full stop, which is that it's always straightforward to understand. And and that yeah. you know you just read it and you do it, yeah. And that that's very rarely the case anyway. Yeah. Every sort of you know biblical injunction needs interpretation in the culture of our times, and some some are easier than others. But but you know, um, there always have been many bits which require, you know, wrestling, mm. And, mm. and 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 which also are our understanding of which changes. In the light mm. of culture and and um, mm. discoveries about the ancient cultures as well and how they did mm. things, so so yeah. that can change things. So there's always been that there. I mean, I, what I would say is, if you're having these kind of perplexities with certain passages of the Bible, uh, I just like um, d- do the bits you do understand. That's what I would <laughs> say, <laughs> you know, because I think there's always bits that there's always bits that we're going to argue over. Yeah. Um, misinterpret or whatever, but actually, I think it was Kierkegaard, the the Danish uh, philosopher, who was, yeah. you know, who said to people, "Well, you know, don't come to me with your Bible problems until you're doing the rest of the obvious stuff," kind of stuff. You know. Um, yeah. So that's really good. So I think, um, I think you know the 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 stuff we interpret or we reinterpret or we have to look at is is stuff to do with society and culture and how we live. Because that's mm. the way that's think how things change. So if one thinks of divorce, for example, that mm. we've reinterpreted, frankly, what Jesus said. Because our culture, mm. our whole relationship with marriage, with what that means nowadays, is very mm. different. Yeah, um, exactly. But it's not to do. We don't do that, or shouldn't do that, with the core commands, which are about love and forgiveness. Exactly. And 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 I think I sort of take refuge in, as it were, in sort of yeah. trying to trying to do those really no that's great i think that's really good and you're right some bits are just a mystery i, I uh, paula gooder who's an incredible uh, bible mm. scholar absolutely amazing she's just written a book on the parables which i'm just about to start but i was hearing her talk about it and she was just uh, you just got to be honest and say you know some parables we simply don't know what they mean we don't right, no one does yeah they yeah. Uh, they are just an mm. absolute mystery and it's better to just be honest about it than mm. you know trying to layer on meaning that you know really isn't there so mm. um i appreciate that kind of refreshing honesty you must get her on the show sometime yeah do that oh get, i know i want yeah. to i want to get on it. it oh sorry okay i will yeah. 
Yes, and I like what you were saying last week as well. Was it last week about, you know, God is Christ-like and just that whole interpretive mm. key mm. thing. Yeah, in God there is no un-Christ-likeness. So, you know, if you're getting confused, look at look at the Gospels. Look at, look at how Jesus is doing things. Look how he's including people. Look how he's loving people. Look how he's forgiving people. Mm. And, you know... Um, learn from that and look how he's rebuking people as well let's not just pick out those bits mm, okay yeah, yeah. okay well, if i may rebuke you let's Please get do. a move on okay well look let's let's finish with this because this is a good one. and and then i i, I want to ask you something to do something mm. to finish the podcast so um uh this is an email from claire and she says this Hello, Joe and Nick. And she starts by saying how much she loved the weekend, which was nice. She says, we were laughing as we drove home. We didn't think we had ever had a church weekend away that had left us feeling that way. The irony of that. In our experience, often church weekends were littered with tasks to do, washing up rotors, youth work, looking out for people who were feeling on the edge of things. All important, but not a rest, really, for the people who do that stuff week after week said your weekend seemed to bring together people all of whom were individual in their journey of faith but collectively wanted to wrestle with some bigger questions with humor honesty and vulnerability thinking about it some more as i type maybe it was that very point we were strangers without responsibilities and that enabled the creative thinking to happen talking to the people i had the privilege to spend longer with most have been faithfully serving in the church for years and years and years and haven't given up on it, but are pretty weary with the old formula. I'm going to be pondering on all that some more and we'll be thinking about what we can do differently to enable more honesty and reality in the places we are currently serving, enabling more conversation peppered with humour. A pretty good starting point to counter weariness. I plan to read some of the brilliant book recommendations shared and get outdoors even more. For me, the theme that rang out from the weekend was how transformative getting out in nature has been for so many. And then she talks about how she started journaling at the start of 2020. Um, but that, uh, that it petered out a bit. And she says, I bought my journal on the weekend and used it to make some notes. I revisited my theme of the year, which I had not really thought about much for the previous six months. She says in brackets, how are your themes going? She says, my theme is freedom. And so as the season uh, frees itself with leaf fall and dying back, I'm choosing not to beat myself up over the slippage, but to intentionally reconnect. Uh, she says, so grateful for your company on the journey of faith. Well, thank you, Claire, and it was, yeah. it was d delightful meeting you. Um, in terms of the books mentioned, maybe we should, um, at some point on the website, if I get around to ever updating it, put a list of some of the things that people bought with them. And uh, yeah, you know, the, that would can, be great. Other people yeah. might find those those useful. That'd be lovely. Um, they are on our Facebook page for those of you who are on oh, are Facebook, they? and I know that's everyone except Nick, in fact. So, mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, but a really good point, and and for me, there's. There's lots sort of coming out of it because my reflection on the weekend as I've thought about it more is it felt like good church to me. Um, you know, I think I mentioned on the weekend that, you know, my tutoring always encouraged us to think of church as a verb, not mm. a noun. So to consider that we are churching together. And for that weekend, we were churching together. That's what we were. So we were the church, churching uh, together. And... Uh, and I think for me, yeah, they're exactly right. There was, there's a strength in being strangers um, and a strength in being strangers coming together and then possibly never seeing each other again. I think that allows you to open up perhaps Absolutely. more than yeah. you would. But I think yeah. there was also something about, 
after that initial bit, which I always hate, I the bit that I found most difficult on the weekend is the bit I find most difficult on any occasion. That bit where you're meeting people in the hall as they arrive and you don't know them and there's a kind of nervousness. And I'm an extrovert and I struggle for that, with it. So what it must be like for an introvert, I do not know. But, you know, once that bit was out the way and we'd met together and Ramil, it felt like we were straight into it. You know, it felt we could mm. dive deep together. And that was wonderful. Why is that? I don't know. Well, I think that's in a way why it's also why it's great, but it's also slightly unreal. Mm. I think the reason is that you can be that honest because you don't know anyone else. You don't mm. have any baggage with them. You don't have any history with them. You know, that, that, and there is no, you're not there as a church. So there are no duties attached to no, that. No, we had to do all the washing up. Yes, and you know, I had Clearing to do up. all the I had to do all the greeting in the two hours before you eventually made it around the M twenty five. And as that. an introvert, it was absolutely fine. <laughs> thanks. No, it was that. fine. No, it's it was. You know, I think that is it. it those events, and not just our weekend, but any of these events where we felt felt this way, maybe it's sort of Christian festivals or something like that, or you know, where you think, mm. why can't it always be like this? And that is mm. because it's. Yeah. Because it can't. It's unusual. It's, yeah, because it, it can't, can't be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why. Because the rest of it is the messiness of life with expectations. and, and yeah. I think what we're trying to do is get to a point where it's, a, it's always a bit like that. Or at least mm. where you don't rule out the possibility of yeah. depth and honesty and, and yeah. you know, um, really wrestling with those questions. That's the thing. Is there's, It can never be quite as free and easy as when you really don't know somebody and you, you don't care what you think, mm. what you say, mm. you know. Um, yeah, but I think I think we're trying to get to a place, and what we should be aiming with to in our in our churching, is at least some spaces that give, you know, some yeah. some movement towards that. Yeah, and I think I've spoken about this before, and with great bitterness. But you know, uh, when I was last in a church ministry, we, we started a uh, church pastorate rather. Uh, we started this thing called Breakfast Church, and the mm. idea was that was going to be the place where you could come, you'd have breakfast and you could just ask your questions. It doesn't matter if you're hanging on by the uh, by the by your fingernails mm, to faith. Yeah. You know, you're still going to be welcome. You still belong. And we can ask any question. We're not going to throw out try answers. And, and I think, you know, it started well enough, but then it gradually got into the the kind of mainstream and it's like oh no you've got to follow the theme that we're doing in the other services otherwise we're different and it became this kind of thing and I was always very disappointed in that because I thought that was a misunderstanding of why it has started now I I I think it's quite a flourishing sort of service in and of its own now um which is great you know it's great Mm. for the church but it's certainly (laughs) nothing like what I intended it to be when I set it up Uh, I'm not saying that you going was part of its flourishing, but you know, it clearly was. (laughs) It can be little or no doubt. Not just that service, but the church as a whole is is blooming. (laughs) But the other thing uh, Claire raises was about our themes and about getting outside. Yes, and uh, we should pick up on our themes as we as we get towards the end of the year. Maybe reflect on those, and um, um, I suppose we'll be picking new ones soon. So we will. um, Maybe yes, we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. Anyway, um, now speaking of outside, mm. um, we did this. Um, we did this a church weekend, and no church weekend is complete without devotions in the morning. Yes, which I yeah. always view as a test of who are the real Christians there, 
and who the lazy people are who yes, are just going to stay yeah. in bed and drink yeah. coffee like that is mm. somehow spiritual. Um, and sure enough, there are four or five of us in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did... I was only there because I had to be there. Yeah, exactly. Out of guilt, I hope. Because <laughs> yeah, that indeed. is always the best reason to be at any form of <laughs> prayer meeting or devotion. Yes. yes. <laughs> anyway. I was attending resentfully. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Me too. And mm. But you did something that I thought was so absolutely excellent, if I may say so. Oh, that's kind uh, of cool. Well, I mean, you know, you generally do. But... Um, this was particularly helpful because you were talking about noticing and paying attention mm. and you read you read this Mary Oliver poem. And I, do, mm. do you know, it just unexpectedly really uh, powerfully got to me, that poem. It's really stayed with me as well. So I thought it'd be a good way to um, round off this week, maybe if you could share a bit of Mary Oliver with us and set it up if you want, of course. Okay, yeah, great. Well, it's um, for those of you who don't know Mary Oliver's, poetry she's just wonderful so check yeah. check her out um i suppose in the context of what we've been talking about what the poem is mm. is kind of about it ends up with saying is you know what what are you going to do with the time you're given uh, and the attention you pay to it and i think right. you know we've talked a lot in the, in this podcast about well what are we going to do if we stop doing something yeah. what else are we going to and one of the yeah. things we could do if you don't want to go uh, to church you could pay real good attention to something mm. Mm. Um, something important something beautiful something meaningful and mm. find in that a way of prayer mm. it's called the summer day and i shall read it in, in a moment before that obviously a big thank you to everybody who contributes to the podcast uh, thank you as uh, thank you so much yeah thanks to the wonderful emails thank you for those that give financially it makes such a difference to us yeah. thank you yeah um and uh it will be back with you next week but here is um here is the summer day by mary oliver brilliant who made the world who made the swan and the black bear who made the grasshopper this grasshopper i mean the one who has flung herself out of the grass the one who is eating sugar out of my hand who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life?